next and last stop is Atlantic Avenue Barclays Center. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. lot of Nets podcasts. I mean, Oof. the only Net fans you know, the only what, the only Nets fans you know, at least they've got some self-aware. I mean, come on, Look man. Where are these guys? Welcome back to Knowing Nets Fans You Know Podcast. I'm Peter. Welcome to a Embarrassed in Paris episode of the podcast. Cast 111-102, the final score. It was not as close as the score would tell you. I got my guy Kool-Aid here. You might know him as BK Nets Forever on Nets Twitter. And uh, we're just going to chop it up, break it down. And uh, what the fuck just happened, bro? The nightmare came true. We woke up and it was real. And don't let the score fool you. We had Levert and Donovan Mitchell out, almost outscoring the Nets at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just, it's, you, can't, you can't make it up. Bro, you can't make it up. I think they both of them maybe had... 30 points, and like I said, the Nets had 34 points. So just, uh, just, just, just a disaster. I'm going to go over a couple of stats really quick, and then we're going to continue to chop it up. Uh, we had Cameron Johnson, one for seven, only three points. Bridges, six for 18. He had 26 points. But I think at one point he was like, what, one for 10 or something like that? At, at, at one point I saw he was four for 16. There you <laughs> go. That, that's what I was looking for. Uh, Cam Thomas came off the bench. 26 points, 9 to 21, 1 for 5 from 3, 6 rebounds to assist. Lonnie Walker, 20 points. Uh, it was really Cam Thomas and Lonnie Walker that kind of uh, kind of got us back into the game, I would say. But uh, I don't know. The, the talent was always I don't know, a mountain to a molehill. And I, it just looked like Donovan Mitchell wanted it more. I hate to use those corny terms of wanting it more. But no, he, so many times the Nets missed a box out. So many times it was a missed rotation. I don't know that. No, nah, no, nah, it's not. It's, I'm not going to use the word wanted more. I'm going to say he had another gear that they can't get to. And those are the star gears that, mm -hmm. okay, if I coast, I'm at the same level as Bridges, coasting. When I decide, you know what, I had enough, hence he had 45. And it was an easy 45 in the floor of the offense. I'm not even looking. At, I'm going to look at his numbers, but the numbers don't tell how effective it was. He shot, what, 50%. He almost had a triple-double. He had 45, 12, and 6. He had more rebounds than our center. Wow. He's a 6-1 guard. Like, people may not want to hear this, but why did we pay Cam Johnson that money, the amount. At some point, you. why? Because we yeah, want to be nice and keep you. Bridges there? <laughs> well, not even that. I want, to, I want you to kind of talk about the game first, and then we're going to dive into that. Because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stuff we agree with and some shit we're going to bump heads on. Okay, come on. Let's talk, mm -hmm. about, let's talk about this ugliness that we just watched. Why were the Nets able to come back in the second half? Well, well, what do you think, personally? Well, well, most teams, when you have a lead that big, it's hard to sustain that same momentum to to keep going, you know. So they took their foot off the gas a little bit and started coasting and 
you know, you look up and you miss a couple of shots, and that's hit a couple of shots, momentum swing, okay, boom, it's a 10-point game. And then you saw Mitchell, okay, I'm not letting this happen. Bang, 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 they up 14, and now from there on, you stuck. You can't get over the hump because now we re-engaged. And a lot of that is because I think we start off slow because there's no system and there's no guards. There's no point guard, so you're going to continuously get turnovers. Look at the game today. You knew Mitchell was bringing the ball up. We got about four or five people that bring the ball up at any given time. So it's structure versus organized chaos. Bro, I think you're 100% right. Uh, my guy Spen, I do fireside nets with him. I saw a tweet he put out, and he, he kind of—I feel like he kind of nailed it. It looked like the Nets were like completely surprised. The Cavs only shot 39%, only 29% from three. They went 13 or 44 from three. When you have these kind of numbers, you're holding a team to 39% from the field. You like you have to expect you're going to win. Well, here's the issue: we shot 27 free throws. They shot 43. There's the game. Because when you break it down, the turnovers turned out to be a, a 16 to 11. So that's pretty much even. The uh, the possessions, even, 82. It's that our shots come difficult. People are getting layups, in ones, and dunks. We're settling for jumpers. Because even if even when you think about the free uh the three-pointers, they made five more. So yeah, that's 15 points. But y'all shot about almost nah. They shot 44. Wow, I didn't realize they shot 44. Yeah, 13 to 44. And we only got and we only got out rebound by six. I was kind of surprised by that. I thought Jared Allen was gonna go off. Uh he had 12 rebounds, 12 points, but he only shot three or five. He had four blocks, but he had four blocks. You felt that. You felt that for sure. Two steals and four assists. I'm surprised that Clax didn't have a block this game. You know what I really thought was the turning point? There was a little time in the fourth quarter. The Nets got, um, I think, Claxton got a bucket. Tristan Thompson winds up getting a flagrant two, gets kicked out of the game. We get a couple free throws in the ball, and the Nets could have cut it down to eight points, and Claxton just missed getting a, a layup in. And I feel like after that possession, Cavs get it. I think they got a three, and that was it. I feel that was like the kind of nail in the coffin. And I feel like that's that's where I'm focusing with Claxton, at least for this game, at least for right now. It's kind of well, kind of disappointing for me. Well, that sequence you just named is indicative to our whole season. It's always mm-hmm. something right there that we don't capitalize on. And going back down the other way, it's a five-point swing and boom. We got the sad puppy dog face eyes on. <laughs> Bro, it's so it's just so true. Uh I don't know if you saw the last Fireside Nets, but uh we got CJ Holmes. He he's the daily news like Nets beat writer, right? And he told me he's like flat out a couple of these guys on the team right now don't want to be on this team. Could you blame them? I'ma say a name, right? And I and I'ma explain it. So when you look mm-hmm. at Spencer, right? Mm-hmm. Why would he want to be here? And he did this run already five years ago. 
the rebuilding team, the good vibes, everything. We're not really trying to do anything. He's done that already. Then he went to the Western Conference Finals and averaged 17 on the season on a, on a, on a title contending team. He's going backwards here. You're not going to pay him. There's no real future for him here. I mean, I'm not mad at the man. You know, everybody says you should be professional. But it's a poop show. Here it's about optics over real winning. And the players tell you all you need to know about the organization and coaching. The players tell you. You know, if you start paying attention that quote unquote, the franchise faces are frustrated. They're telling you what they dislike and it's repetitive. You know, it's every game now. I'm going to look back at the playback and see if uh, JV is actually happy at the press conference smiling. You mean Mr. Rogers? Yeah, he doesn't read the room right. It's okay to get a tech. I hate to say a guy's soft, the guy's an NBA champion. He's a smart guy. But sometimes I just I get that Mr. Rogers energy. And I sometimes I feel like it doesn't mix with this team per se. I I don't know. I that, that, that that's just me with that. But g- going back to Spence, I'm gonna tell you why. Uh, I, at least I'm surprised that he's not doing better. He's gonna be a free agent, bro. You don't think he wants to make a, a you know another deal, another contract? The Nets are messing up his money, and they're messing up Clack's money. They're messing up Royce O'Neal contract, Lonnie Walker. Think about it. Eight out of the 15 players here are free agents this year. So Mm. it's not just one person. So when people kept telling me, oh, they're playing for job. No, they're not. They're playing. Some people are playing for their NBA lives, and others are playing for that last contract. Royce and Spencer, you're playing for the last contract. Lonnie Walker... Lonnie Walker is playing to establish himself to finally see a payday. Yeah. Um, Royce, you're looking for that last eight million, you know, maybe, maybe three for 24, something like that, you know, because he didn't get no big money. And you these young guys like Warford are looking to say, I have a home, a place. And here it's are we doing development? Because if you're doing development, then the, the wins and losses don't matter. And then you know it truly doesn't matter because you're allowing the young players to play and make the mistakes. Like, what was it? The first half, Ken played 15 minutes. And I'm like, yo, this is a game where you might not take him out the second half. He's one of the only two people who had it going, him and Walker. You got you to gotta ride the hot hand. And this was a game that I think he eventually realized that, that transition third, fourth quarter. You finally realized that when they went on a run. But you should have did that a little bit earlier. You can't always go with who got you there. You got to go with who showing up when you get there. You talked about Spence. Well, we know the trade deadline. is. I'm going to go a little off script. Uh, We know the trade deadline's coming up, right? Mm -hmm. Marks is getting a lot of shit. JV's getting a lot of shit. But I'm gonna put the GM hat on you. But what what's but what are the moves you'd make at the trade deadline? Who's staying? Who's going? Or what are your moves? First of all, like I saw today, um, I think Bill um Reinhardt uh said that the Nets inquired about Murray. People yeah, can keep talk, 
people keep talking about his defense. It ain't what it used to be, right? He's also at a place where the ball is out of his hands. So he's not an off-ball guard. He can do it in spurts, but he's a true on-ball player. He's a, And that's how he plays the PG. I'm going to get him, and in getting him, you um, give him the keys to the car. Now you've made him the face of the franchise by default, right? He has the same con. He has a, a team-friendly contract. I think it was he has a it doesn't kick into next year. I would do that immediately when we get back. I'd probably be on the phone right now doing that part. I would let them play for a week or two. See how it gels, what's working, what's not working. Royce, you're out of here. We got DFS, so we got a vet. These are not this team is young, but they also have the young vets like the Bridges and the Cam and the Cam Johnsons and the DFSs who've been in the league five to eight years. So you don't necessarily need the 35-year-old vet. We've done that already, right? Mm-hmm. I, I would go and scout for another big with a presence. Doesn't mean it has to be, you know, a big name. could be somebody that's in the G League that's actually athletic and who can just defend the position and hold his ground. Um. And I would elevate Walker, and you want to give Cam a real role. I don't understand why. If he's going to be one of your best true scorers, you're either going to let him be the true six man and give him the Jordan Clarkson, Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford role, Eric Gordon, where when you come in, it's your show. People will feed off of you. But the main thing, even in all that, Murray allows you to turn the corner. Like Spencer now, he used to be able to turn the corner maybe two or three years ago, and even last year. Now he has to do six dribbles just to get by you to set you up to blow by. Murray turned the corner and go, which now makes Bridges and Cam Johnson look better because now they're catching catching shoot threes because they may not sinking in to help, which would also... If Clax or whoever the, or Day Day actually sets the screen, if they have the mindset of, if I set the high screen, I'm open. Meaning, once he goes attacks the basket, that's an over the top alley. That's how you get paid. And if you're not going to pay Claxon the 2025 that he's asking for, you trade him. I don't think he's the center position. I look at like the running backs in football. If you're not in B. Joker, Giannis, um, you know, those type of guys, you don't pay for it because you can get serviceable bigs, rookie contracts, good $8 million. Like, Clax is playing on a great contract right now. You see value. I think this is his ceiling, and people don't want to look at that part. So if this is his ceiling, this is year five. This is not year two or three. I don't care how young he is. If he's going to develop certain things of his game, you would see it by now and not just scratching. And hopefully I'm wrong, but I know that you, just like I said with Bridges, you can't turn a role player into a scorer who hasn't had that role ever in his life. So that's what I would do with the Nets and try to recoup a pick or two. Doesn't have to be first rounders. You just need more assets. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Okay. Nothing. 
<laughs> no, no, no. There's going to be a lot of moves, actually. Dinwiddie's going to be gone. You're going to have Claxton's going to be gone because, like you just said, I'm not going to pay him the money because if I'm losing with him, I can lose without him. Facts, okay? Them two are going to be gone. Uh, I'm going to have Lonnie Walker out, and I'm going to tell you why. I like Lonnie Walker, but with the cap, it's going to be really, really hard for us to resign him. So are you going to let him walk for nothing, or do you get back maybe two second-rounders? That's that's what I would personally do. I like the guy. If you could find a way to keep him, of course we don't trade him. You can keep him. Right now he's getting a vet minimum. And mm-hmm. I know he's gonna get more than that though now. But that's Jay from sure. Jay from BK, Jay from BK made a good point. He's gonna get the tax level, mid-level exception. Ooh, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. You know, um me and me and uh Pod Thorn, Ease, we've we we've talked yes. about different talking about different scenarios on you know how you keep them. So it it's manageable because remember Royce is making nine point five, Plax is making nine point something. So in between that and we're still under the apron, you can yeah. make it work. You know what happens though? You got guys that you know salaries are going to go up a little bit, right? Cam uh, Thomas is going to be a free agent. I think is it after next year? I think yeah, but a you, free agent. You got to start prepping for that. Yeah, but you can wait on that. I guess you, you know. So if you're talking about what you're going to give Lonnie three years, so by the time Cam gets his money, Lonnie's in the second year of his contract, and then Ben money is Ben money comes off when Cam money starts. Correct. Cam is not making. Cam is not making Ben money. No. Cam Thomas might get 25. Okay. That's still like 15 million less than what Ben is going to make in his last year. He's going to, Ben is in his last year, has 40 million. People don't realize next year he's going to have 40 million. Imagine if we had that 40 million free right now. Like, how, how different would the roster look? And I, I even make a couple arguments saying if I could, get rid of a first rounder or two that would help me unload that 40 million. You know, I'm going to think about it. I really am going to think about it. What do you think now, about that? I'm I, at this point, you want to be an accurate a- asset acquisition, right. To acquiring them. So at this point, the season, you might as well look at this. This we in January. All the contracts are guaranteed on the 15th. Everybody's allowed to be trade traded. Right. So this yep. season is over. It's sad, bro. It's sad, you but don't, you're right. It's real. It's you real. don't you you don't you don't trade it. That's a that's a draft night trade, and you're taking something. You may use him to get a bigger superstar, right? That when you look at the Levine, nobody wants that contract. Nope. But if I'm Chicago and they haven't found anybody to trade for that, hey Brooklyn, you want this shiny toy? I'll take. They do need a point guard. I'll take Ben because now you're just clearing the cap and it may not be something of, of that severity, but Ben is going to be used in something to get back a couple of contracts that may have a year or two left on it. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, I think his career is over sadly. Damn. You know, he's a young man. Um, That the back is funny. So we can keep saying it's mental and he don't want to play, but 
clearly he had back surgery. You don't fake that. And yeah, that's real. His, people don't people don't uh, give enough credit for that. That shit's crazy. Know, the back surgeries. So I like I don't mm-hmm. like to talk about them because to me, I know you had a question and I'll and I'll lead us into it. So when we say how do we get here? How did how did the Nets get into this predicament that we are in today? The Ben Simmons trade. You traded a former MVP who was playing like an MVP. And actually, the key word, he was playing and producing. Ben wasn't playing at all. How do you take that back without seeing him, without you waving the, you waved the physical, so you knew his back was messed up already, and you could have you prevented everything. I'm always going to say, you take Maxi. nobody in Brooklyn is mad right now because you have a young star on a rookie deal that you can say, well, we got this in return. Yeah, we took that. But that was the start of this version of the Nets. So that's, to me, how we got here. You know, like you say that, and I want to give you a little pushback because there was a lot of talk of Maxi, of course, being a part of a deal. But everything that we've heard is that Philly said no. Of course, we know GMs play poker face all the time. They say, I'm never going to trade this guy. And then last minute, you know, last second of the trade deadline, deals get done. Guys that were untouchable all of a sudden are part of deals, right? So now, I, I so, just don't think they would have given them up. I really don't. Okay, so now let me ask you the number one question. So this is the pushback mm-hmm. to that, the rebuttal. Mm-hmm. It's safe to say Maury at that time wanted Harden more than he wanted Maxi. Would you agree with that? Bad, bad. Okay, so if I'm, if I'm Sean Marks, Call me. I'm hanging the phone up. Call me when Maxi is in, is involved with the trade. Otherwise, see you in the summer. Because they still needed the Nets. The the misconception that they could have just got Harden and free agency outright is wrong. They didn't have the space for him, which Correct. means they they would have had to move Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, add assets to this, which probably would have made them have to move Maxi anyway. Mm. And so. To even so, just to come right back to us and say, okay, let me get him. At that point, that was Maury's guy. He had hitched his wagon in his career to him. Oh, yeah. So I always find that strange that when we need the deal to get us over the hump or we have, or we dealing with a position of strength, we never capitalize. You know, I, I think Marx was just so scared of the thought of, we just gave away all these draft picks and like Harden looks like he's a, he's playing like shit. The guy, you know, we saw him in, in against the Kings, you know, their story, you know, Jay from BK told, you know, told, uh, told me in a podcast, he was going to Vegas before a couple games on that last. That was that trip. Denver. That was the Denver yeah, game. Exactly. You, you know, you know, you listen and uh, it's scary, man. It's like, damn, am I really going to let this guy walk? Cause it looks like he's going to walk. Okay. And, but you know, but I'm wait. Let me finish with this. No, no, that's because why I, I do. Yeah, I I do side with you with it, man. If Harden doesn't get traded, I don't believe he sits out the rest of the year. And we know Kyrie's gonna come back in two. But we we didn't know Kyrie was gonna come back. But Kyrie would eventually come back in two weeks. And I can't see Katie Kyrie playing and Harden just soaking still. I can't, bro. I can't. And they would have went on a real winning streak, right? Harden would have been happy again. 
And if he choosing to leave after that, we probably got a chip. And you and you like, okay, wherever you're gonna go. And guess what? They still would have gave us Maxi after all that. I think it's, he would've I think Harden would have resigned with us. Because I think I, I think they would have had a successful playoff run. I really do. I don't know if they would have won a chip, but I definitely think at least two series wins is not crazy no, to think about with that team. That was that what that team wasn't bad with those three guys. Nobody beating that team. I I I we we had a short sample size, but thirteen and three, it's thirteen and three. Nobody had three prolific scorers like that, and Harden was cool. In the playoffs, he could have he could have went to the Harden that we used to seeing. That I don't show up, but he might have still got you twenty not showing up. Mm. Because he was he was the he was the the the, the spoon or the straw that kept it all together. The straw that served the drink. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I just, I just think you know we'll never know, but what we do know is we lost that trade. The yeah, man has played forty something games out of like a hundred and almost sixty. So if you look back on it and you say, "I gave away uh, Lavert, Allen, Torian Prince, Rodiant." Four swaps, four draft picks, James Harden, Paul Millsap for Ben Simmons, Royce O'Neal, and a 2028 draft pick. You're fired. Mm-hmm. I want to throw you a curveball, okay? Mm-hmm. Remember, uh, before the whole Harden talk, right? There was a big uh, talk that maybe Drew Holiday would be coming to Brooklyn. What do you think would have played out if he does not go to Milwaukee and instead, you know, we give up a Levert, those draft picks and whatever, you know, for a Drew Holiday? First of, all, first of all, that would have went better. You wouldn't have had to give up all, everything. Exactly. You probably, probably would have kept Allen. Because what was he on, the Pelicans at that time? Yeah, he was on the Pelicans. I'm gonna look up that deal. Just keep on talking. Yeah. yeah. So if you if you tell me you give up, I think the Bucks gave up two or three picks for him. So I'm we look give it up, up right now. So if we give up like Lavert and because I think he had got paid, I think he was making like 15 million in to make the money work. Allen, you probably get rid of him, maybe because you don't want to pay him. But Torian Prince made 12. So let's say. Prince and Lavert get you twenty-seven million. Holiday was making about thirty, thirty-five. That would have worked because we wasn't over the cap yet. Um, you could have did some things. You could have maneuvered it different. You didn't have to give up all the swaps because uh, Drew Holiday wasn't a former MVP. He doesn't average thirty points. When he gets you thirty, that means he erupted. But it would have gave you an adult in the room. I'm going right. to tell you the deal. I'm going to tell you the deal right now. It's actually a lot more than what I uh, kind of remembered. They they had to give up Eric Bledsoe, 2020, uh, 24, 25, 26, swaps in 27. Uh, I'm sorry, swap in 26, and then a protected pick in 27. Okay, so they gave up. Yeah, they gave up like, in- a lot. Yeah, they, that was a lot, but... How many Compared picks? To us, not bad, right? How many picks? Not the swaps. How many picks? They're straight up. I'm giving up picks. 
uh, if I'm reading this right, the whole paragraph here, I think it's one, two, three, four. They got four picks for him? They yeah, get the 24, G- 25, 26, and 27 to New Orleans. You know what that was? I know you desperate to keep to keep Giannis. That's Giannis tax. Oh, of course. We wouldn't have had to give up that much. We wouldn't have had to give up that much. Oh, and I, they had George. They had to give up George. Did they? I think they gave up George Hill also in that deal. Okay, might but, be you, wrong, though. but Bledsoe at that point was was a bad contract. Mm. George Hill was on his last wheels. So if you look at players, they gave up nothing. They gave up. Yeah. Yeah. They give up draft assets, but they want a chip. It was worth it. Of course. Yeah. Those 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 picks was what 20 something, late 20s? Mm-hmm. You need a good GM to, to make something work out of that good scouting team. Those yeah. those 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 <clears throat> swaps won't even convoy. You're not swapping with them. They're still gonna be a 50 plus win team. Now, Drew Holiday gave you stability. And, and that's what we always will need here. We don't have an adult in the room. There's not a GM that has been proven to build a roster in a perennial second round or further team yet, right? Mm-hmm. None of our head coaches we had, had been pro- has, has been proven yet. None of them. So who's the adult? That's why we're here. This is why you see the molly whopping in Paris. This was a this was a psychological thrashing because it showed you how far we really are. But yeah. if you have somebody with a creative mindset and the eye for talent and understand where the league's going, we're not that far. We're two pieces away from being. Playoff, I could win around, you know, not getting swept. We're two pieces away. And I know people probably don't like to hear that, but those two pieces can swing it where you actually could win the first round. And then you build on that the next offseason. It's just that we got to have a system. We can't keep playing park ball. Dribble handoffs are supposed to be part of our offense. Little intricate parts of it, not the whole set. Mm-hmm. What about the defense, man? Like, uh, with, obviously, JV's protecting the paint, right? Everyone's closing in whenever a drive comes. But, like, teams know it's ha- this is happening. The Nets are giving up historic levels of, like, three-pointers. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. If the team, the other teams know what's coming, then what's the point of doing it? Like, I don't, I don't help me out with that. Maybe you could break it down for me. Okay. He's an idiot. Now I'm going to keep it as <laughs> simple as possible. Love it. It's one thing to say what your scheme is to your team. Why are you in a press conference saying, yeah, we, we want to give you the top of the key three. Yeah. We're packing in the paint. Okay. We got all these um, defenders, right? So-called great defenders or NBA defenders. All world defenders. Keep it simple. Play man-to-man. Plax, you're the only person that's not switching. That's Mm -hmm. it. And we're running drop wrong. 
most people think just because you're in drop means you're, you're, there's a lot of space between the guard and the center. No. Drop is almost like, might as well say, recovery. Because yeah. think about it. The Bucks play drop. Brooke Lopez is not as off as we are. You you can mm. hold a hand up to contest, right? You're about two yeah. steps back to recover. But when you open up, it allows your man to get over the screen and have open space, and then you just roll back to your man. We're doing is sitting there settling, just like, go ahead, I'm in drop. I'm going to let you shoot an uncontested mid-range, and I'm six feet away from you. No. You're supposed to still be able to contest. Dropping some. We're, we're dropping too much. And that's the principles of the scheme. You don't know if you're sending them to the middle or you want to send them baseline, sideline. There, there's, there's, no, there's no real structure to it. It's like, okay, we're doing drop. Go ahead. But we don't practice. So if we don't practice, then how you even have a film study? Because film study, you only get production, um, you're only going to get them to listen and correct their wrongs from practice. Nobody should go in a game thinking about the mistakes they made last game. Basketball is a react sport, not a thinking sport. You're reading, you're reading, scoping on offense, and you're reacting. You're not thinking about it. It's just nature, second nature. But because we don't practice, we can't clean up none of our mistakes. You don't we think don't they have don't practice stars. at all, though? Nah, sort not of this group. Nah. Really? That's, hmm. that's been well stated. They're doing rest. So they may come in and look at film. But what is the what, what's the point if I you show me my mistake, right? And I don't go out Ooh. there and, and work on it right then and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tomorrow's another game. I gotta let that go, but, but yesterday is over. When is the game? Mm. Like I, I want to say this. I know it's a little off topic, but I don't care, bro. Let's go. People get upset with the development of Cam Thomas, right? Mm. Why are you getting mad at a 22-year-old that's averaging 24 points with no structure and no coaching? Let him be whoever he's going to be. I don't know if he's a star. I don't know if he's going to be an elite scorer that's better off the bench. He's 22, and in year three, he's finally getting meaningful minutes. Enjoy it. Don't get upset. Just enjoy it. It's enough of it. His stands are crazy. Like you can't say nothing bad because yeah. it, it, it it's nasty out there. It's just as nasty as this loss. And I also think Jacques Vaughn lost the team. I think they had enough of his rah-rah, whatever he, whatever he's selling, they bought enough. Those are not Girl Scout cookies, Vaughn. They're done with you. So who so you fire Vaughn, right? Who gets who gets the job after? And do you also fire Marks? I like Sean Marks a lot, but we've seen, at least for me, in my personal opinion, he can't pick a, a head coach. It's a problem. He, he, he can draft, but he can't pick a head coach. So the question becomes, is he a better scout or a GM? There we go. But you can't allow him to pick the fourth coach. I Man, I... 
I I want him to stay, but I don't want him to pick the next coach. If if he stays, it has to be in a capacity where there's a basketball, there's a president of basketball operations that has the last say and not him. You can like the guy, right? But I think a lot of people get caught up in what he did when he first got here. Guess what? Everybody would have did that. You couldn't do nothing else but that. And even in there, my, my beef with Marx is the misses are so bad. They're, 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 the misses are real misses. The wins are marginal. The wins, there's no win that's been as monumental as the losses. None. Not one. Man, I, I got to give you some pushback on that, man. We had no picks. No one really wanted the job. Like, it was bad over here. And he, you know, he, got, he got gold out, out of shit. He did. I, I think, I you think that's you a lot. Take that away from him. No, no, no. He's done something. And that's why I said, so we're praising him for what he did when he first got here. He's in year eight. So what? Mm. So we're going to give him credit for the first two years. So what has he done six years after that? That's the problem. From KD on. I'm, not, then, counting, I'm not counting him for KD on. And the reason why I, I, I'm, and I'm saying that is I don't think he's responsible for KD and Kyrie. Say. So if you in... Okay. Good. All right, no. I was going to say this. I'll go first. <clears throat> uh, with this, right, he gets us to the point that we get Katie and Kyrie, right? Then they come, 7-Eleven kind of takes over, quote-unquote, take over, and then it's kind of like, oh, you know, he did so good in the beginning, like, you have to give him a chance. But uh, my issue during the Katie and Kyrie years, yes, he took the ultimate shot with Harden, and I, I would make that deal nine times out of ten, 99 out of 100 times, I would do it, but there's little moves here and there I feel like he could have made midseason sometimes to kind of add to the roster. Not a starter, but a couple bench pieces, maybe when they needed a center or here and there. And I feel like he missed with that. But if we're going to be rebuilding again with all these draft picks, then who better than him? But like I said, but then we get to the point of the, dra of the draft picks and the picking the head coach. Because I agree with what you're saying. You can't let him pick a fourth. But, man, he knows how to build through the draft. Okay, so even when you say all mm. that, right? Yeah. Watch, watch this. His rosters have been incomplete since Correct. he got the since he had the clean sweep. So I, I, I've tweeted this and I've said this before, but I think people really need to understand. So if you go back to that Buck series, right? And mm. I know people... I truly believe we win a championship if we're healthy that year. That was our year, right? I agree. Oh, yeah. Here's the kicker to that that nobody talks about. For two years, we gave we gave Clippers first-round picks, right? Never got nothing in return. Imagine on that team, you keep a Sadiq Bey. You still would have had clacks, right? Um, you didn't need Lan, uh, uh, a Shaman. He didn't even show up. Sadiq Bey, his rookie year, averaged 15 and shot 41% from three at 6'8", 6'9". Now you got a big body to guard uh, Middleton, right? You still would have had clacks. Um, the excuse was, oh, he didn't want to um, take a draft because he wanted to make sure he had enough money to get the stars. That's BS. They took less for their friend to come here. 
So if you get a rookie that's on a $2 million deal a year, that doesn't hurt anything because you actually could have walked in, and I like this kid, Keldon Johnson, that's on the Spurs. Yeah, you could have had him. You could have had him. They could have had Bane also, by the way. Yeah, well, yeah. But e- e- either one, right? But you could have had that with Sadiq Bay and Claxon. That would have been the core of your young people that you could have added to a Jeff Green and a Blake Griffin. Right? So you got a guard, you got a wing, and you got a center. You good. But we are not gonna you're not gonna play these young guys when you're going for a championship, though. Guess what? You would have played them because we had a lot of injuries. You could have like a six eight, six eight, six nine. He's a Villanova, he was a Villanova forward. Villanova make good pros. They may not be stars, but they're good, solid pros from jump. Jay Wright is a great coach. Yes, he is. You know, the guard, yeah, you could have waited on. I'm not saying you don't get other vets. All I'm saying is you've had a whole season to work some of your players in. That you did, We gave up everything with nothing to look back on. We gave picks up that we never get nothing back in return. Like, for me, the number one crime that showed me who Marks was, once he likes a guy, he's fixated on a guy. And it's Alan Crabb. You gave him the four-year uh-huh. 70. You gave him the seven, the, the seventy-four million for four. Then, then Portland turned around and gave Evan Turner the same four years, seventy-four million. They had three first-round picks in that in that year that we took that we did the trade. We gave them Andrew Nicholson, who made twenty million for four years or five, however it was. You didn't get a pick back. You just took Allen Crabb for that. The trade-off wasn't right. So we had to, we, we couldn't get a first form and they had three, but then we had to give a first up to get off of it. Come on, man. Yeah. The misses is real. Like he, he was trading in a position of strength. You lost another one. We gave a Brooke Lopez for Timothy Mosgoff, right? You oh, take, yeah, but, but, but here's the trick that people don't understand. I'm giving you the best player in that trade, right? I'm also taking mm. back money so you can get LeBron. You know what you give me for compensation of taking that contract? You gave me De- D'Angelo Russell back, right? That's the young talent. Why did I give you the draft pick? If you, uh, I don't know if you saw the article that Nets Daily put, uh, put out, but that was the, that was the whole retention that they were going to make uh, make that deal actually sooner, and Marks gave in. Mark's caved in. Once again, a position of strength, you don't win. He couldn't get bridges until Joe Sod stepped in. So so I want people to realize, like, yeah, you may like the cute little moves he did, but he don't – we've been looking for a point guard for the last four years, like a true point guard, even if it's a backup. We haven't gotten it. We've, we've, We've continued to lack size and girth in the middle. You continue to get small, skinny bigs, or you don't address it. It's a lot. We need fresh eyes here. And and, and it's okay. He had eight years. In eight years, you won one playoff series and eight wins. And nothing to show for it. No stars, no anything. 
if we're holding you by your resume, which is what the GM is, right? Your resume speaks for itself. His resume is not good. It's below average. I just want us as Nets fans to be honest. It's okay if you're critiquing and you're being real about it. We live in this delusional world. Like we keep talking about how fun this KD Kyrie ever was. It wasn't fun. We had one real season, and that was the one everybody got hurt. After that, it wasn't fun. We're still suffering from it, but you want to tell me it was fun? We lost three generational talents with nothing but role players to show for it. There's no building block in none of those trades, not one building block. Everybody else got better except for us. That's the truth. You know what? Well, I can tell you why they say that, because it's been so, like, abysmal. We're almost at 50 minutes now. Usually the episode's around 30 minutes. I feel like we could just keep on going back and forth for, like, (laughs) a couple hours and shit. But I'm going to cut this down to our last two questions. And obviously, you're going to be back on the pod. We're going to sure. chop it up and talk shit. And uh, I got to ask these last two questions I ask everybody on the podcast. Number one, what is your favorite Nets throwback jersey? Tada. Damn, that's the wrong answer, bro. That's the For wrong me, answer. Tada. The correct answer is the Dr. J. Everybody knows that. I like the Tada because it takes me back to Drogs and Petrovich. That's fair. What would you want? Uh, pick a throwback jersey for next year, okay? Next year that you'd like to see them bring back. The Coogees. You consider that a throwback? Now, because it's just, they don't make them anymore. I guess. Pick a new jersey. They're just for fun. Okay. I, I accept both. Extra credit I'll, answer. I'll pick the the the, the red Izod jerseys. Those are clean, too. I like the gray <laughs> ones, bro. The gray ones with New Jersey on the front, I like. I like those a lot. Like, yeah, that's why. But see, that's why I picked the red one, just because it jumped out a little bit. But those are the same jersey. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, get your plugs in there. Make sure you mention your YouTube. Well, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on YouTube at Kool Aid's Corner. Um, you can find me on Twitter at BK Nets Forever, and I'll start telling you where my IG and stuff is going to be. Once I set it all up. All right. Thanks, man. Yo, it was, it was, it was my pleasure being on. Look forward to chopping it up some more. Um, next, it's a bumpy road, but buckle up. There's got to be better times. We cannot go back to the dark days. Out my Twitter, at NetFans You Know. Check out the YouTube, at NetFans You Know. Have a great day. Have a great night. If you're eating lunch, enjoy your lunch. And uh, let's go Nets. We're out. <laughs>